Welcome to the EO Podcast with Brett Kiesling, part of the EO Podcast Network. Hello, my friends. Thanks for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. I am very pleased to have on the podcast today a guest that I've known since my earliest days in employee ownership. She has been a fixture in employee ownership and is doing amazing things as the executive director of the Minnesota Center for Employee Ownership. Sue Crockett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brad, and thank you for those kind words. I got to tell you, I think I, I need to be honest here and humble myself a little bit because you were, I got to know you, you were, among other chapters, chapter administrator for the Pennsylvania Delaware chapter of the ESOP Association. When I was with Capital Trustees, which is where we started this podcast, we're based in central Pennsylvania. So you were, for many of my years as a trustee, you were the chapter administrator. And Sue, I just want to begin with a humble apology. I don't think there was a deadline that I met. I think you had to chase me so much and I shouldn't have made you do that. So as we talk today, know that I have apologized. And second of all, if you're working with Sue in Minnesota, follow the deadlines. That's all we ask. Oh, I laugh at that, Brett, because I've spent half my career chasing after people. So you know what? It's okay. It's part of the job. And you know, at the end of the day, you just want a good product or a good conference, and that's what you need to do. So, but thank you for the apology. And you have run a lot of really good conferences. You have been involved with some of the chapters previously in a previous phase in your career at the ESOP Association, just across the country. And now all of us are lucky in employee ownership that you're focusing your efforts in Minnesota because amazing things, if they follow you, if they follow the Minnesota Center for Employee Ownership or EOX on social media, media. You just have all kinds of great programs going on that we're going to get to in a moment. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'm saying about the Minnesota Center of Employee Ownership and talking about the years in the ESOP world, you know, I was the chapter administrator in the Minnesota Dakotas for 30 years. And often when people say, we stayed that long. And the reason why I did was I loved people. The people in employee-owned companies and ESOP companies are some of the most wonderful people I've ever worked with or met. They're willing to share that, you know, the professionals are not threatened by one another. They work together. ESOP companies are willing to share with other people. So anyone coming into it thinking, maybe I'm interested in this option, you know, I could send them to all kinds of ESOP companies and professionals and they could get the information they needed. So it was an easy transition for me to come to the Minnesota Center for Employee Ownership. And we became a center in 2020. So we're new, but we had the, we had the COVID, we had COVID period of time. You know, we started in January, COVID hit in March. And so I spent a good portion of my time for a year just reaching out to organizations, associations, economic developers across the state of Minnesota. And that was really helpful because they were all very open to the crisis that's, that's facing all of the country. But especially in Minnesota, where there's 52,000 business owners over the age of 55, planning probably to exit their business sooner rather than later. And we were able to do that study with Project Equity, which has really been a powerful tool. So we know everyone in the state knows there's a crisis, knows there needs to be other options for business owners so they don't close their doors or lose the business to another state. So there is so much that we can talk about that probably is just directly connected to your work with the Minnesota Center. And it is 
employee ownership happens to provide an answer to so much of the societal issues that we have going on and that became exacerbated during COVID. And we can talk about that as well. But as you know, we like to start our guests off with sharing their EO aha moment. If you have one, it's not the moment you first heard about employee ownership or the first time you said, I kind of like it. But was there a moment that comes to mind where you were like, aha, this is going to be transformative? Well, I think one that kind of, you know, jumps out at me is the first time that I heard that someone leaving an ESOP company was getting six figures for their retirement and really understanding how that creates that financial security and that financial future for all workers and not just a few stakeholders, that people who may never have had that opportunity are now enjoying that financial reward for the work and the effort and the in you know the engagement they gave to their company over the years. So I think that's the best moment I had of really understanding that this is a great benefit to employees. And it's funny because you mentioned, and I imagine it's part of the what's driving your work, all of the baby boomers, you know, who are in retirement age. I mean, it's the silver tsunami and all the names that, that we use and Project Equity around the country has just done a great job quantifying that data and collaborating with so many different organizations. So I'm not surprised that they were there, but that's really cool. But that's the flip side. I mean, that's kind of a selling point. Hey, you have to sell your business. But your aha moment was actually on the retirement of the worker. You're not saying your aha moment was, and the selling shareholder got a really big check at closing. That's not, you know, that's critical to what we do. But the meaning to you was the retirement. Exactly. Because I think, and especially at MNCEO, you know, we're all about closing the wealth gap as well as, you know, educating business owners and the professionals that serve them of, you know, employee ownership as an option. But if you're trying to create, you know, wealth equity, then being employee owned provides that for all workers. Like I said, you know, it doesn't matter what position you are in, you're going to benefit from the success of that company. And I just think overall, that's why ESOP companies are more successful then I'm going to say employee-owned, not just ESOPs, employee-owned, worker cooperatives, employee ownership trusts, all of them in that basket is that you are going to see that at the end of the day that the employees have benefited from being involved in the success of their company. I love that. Boy, we've probably had five or six of the different state centers in just recently. Andy Spears of Tennessee has been on. Keith Davenport, who's heading both the Missouri and the brand new Kansas centers have been on. And Claire Broughton was on to talk about the North Carolina Center. And I invite everybody to check out our archives at www.esoppodcast.com. Steve Storkin has been on. Oh, and Steve and my friend Jennifer Krieger came on and shared the origin story of the Texas Center how state centers come about. So if you could, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to know how did the Minnesota Center come about? Yes, actually, Minnesota was the second center after North Carolina. Well, Steve Storkin and I have known each other for, I'm sure, 25 years working within the Minnesota Dakotas chapter of the ESOP Association. And Steve was one of my chapter officers. We've known each other. We've become friends. And, you know, and back in 2019, he had moved over to the EOX as the executive director, the Employee Ownership Expansion Network. And we started talking about the Minnesota Center. And I thought, you know, this is a wonderful transition 
for me. And the reason being was that I was very well connected in the community with the professionals, with Oyond companies. And so we could start off right away with a huge trust factor relationship. And I will say, I think that the professionals in Minnesota are unique in that they are so engaged and so willing to help and don't compete. You know, they're in competition with each other sometimes, but you don't feel that, you know, they're still collaborative. They've been wonderful. So it made it easy for me to start the chapter because of that. They were supportive and we were able to get it off the ground rather quickly. Sue, I love that. And I'm laughing a little bit because as you know, and I mentioned it earlier, I was a trustee for seven years and absolutely there is a lot of generosity of time and spirit and people want to share. And all of our professionals sincerely want to grow employee ownership. Mm -hmm. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, the things that we would do to, you know, volunteer at a place to either be there with our competitors or instead of our competitors, you know, there, there is, I just had to laugh because we did a lot of really good things for kind of competitive reasons. You know, we wanted to be the ones, capital trustees, you know, we sponsored several chapters of the ESOP Association because we wanted, you know, even our competitors to know that we were doing that work and that sort of thing. So there does become a friendly rivalry. It's not an ugly form of competition, right, but right. we certainly knew where all of our, you know, competitors were doing throughout. And that, you know, has led, it is the professional support that is, has really helped all of the various state centers grow and do a great job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you recently, I know you and Steve were on NPR, I believe. Can you give an example of some of the cool things you've done? And if there are a couple of programs coming up, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, no, NPR. So Minnesota Public Radio. Actually, it was Corey Rosen from NCEO and then Heather Brainbridge Cox, who is the CEO of Windings in New Ulm, and then me on Angela Davis Morning Show. And it was a great experience. Corey was talking, I Corey has so much knowledge and so much history behind him. And, and he is so collaborative that I really like that about him. We're all in this together and we can help each other. And at the end of the day, what we want to do is create more employee ownership. And Heather at Windings, which she has a great story, and the former owner, Roger Ryberg, who is now on the MNCEO board of directors and sold windings to his employees, you know, is a great story of, you know, legacy, reward your employees and keep jobs in the community. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we try to do as much as we can in programming just to get in front of people. We just did a presentation at the Rotary, uh, Minneapolis Rotary. We're doing one at the ACG, which is the Association of Corporate Growth. We've done it for Security Finance Network. We've done it for presentations for different associations like the Manufacturing Association. So any way that we can get the word out about employee ownership is great. So one of the new things that we're offering right now is our online course, Business Transition Planning, Are You Ready? And this is online. People can take it at their own pace. There is a fee for it. But it helps business owners and particularly like economic developers understand what the process is for a business owner, what they need to have in place, because having a plan for your business is one of the most important things a business owner can have. And so this gives them another tool 
or it's a tool actually in our toolbox that we can offer business owners and all of the economic developers across the state to help them when they are talking to business owners about transitioning out of their business. And so they can find that on your website? Yes, our website is mnceo.org. And there's a link to the coursework on our homepage, on our resources page, on our events page. You know, we were making sure people can see it. You can click onto it and see the full agenda of the course before you sign up. I love that. So one of the things that I love about the evolution and where employee ownership is right now as a movement is that, you know, 10 years ago when I was working with you at TEA, and I suppose NCO was the same thing, it really was, we were trying to attract people to sell their businesses, but it was kind of tough for professionals to break into the field. And I know I built up, you know, the trustee practice. So I went through that a little bit. Now, what strikes me about that, first of all, it's absolutely a great tool for those who are considering, are you ready to sell your business? You should check it out. It's a great tool. But the fact that it's also geared towards economic developers and people who are working in issues of the community strikes me as so important to the next level of growth we should face because you're putting that many more people out there talking about employee ownership for not the same reasons that the ESOP lawyer might be talking about. You know, they're talking fundamentally more jobs, community, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's great to see those collaborations. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, part of our mission is to be free and unbiased and to be the boots on the ground just for educating people. And we also do education for the professionals. There's a lot of CPAs out there that don't understand employee ownership. They maybe have heard of an ESOP. So we do right now, we write a lot of articles for the Minnesota CPA Society. We're presenting at their November conference. We've done lunch and learns with CPA firms. So we're twofold, you know, we want business owners. No, we're trifold. Business <laughs> owners, professionals, and the economic developers in the state. That makes a lot of sense. And I love seeing a mindful approach to all of them. I think that is so important. Let me ask about the character of Minnesota, if you will. I'm probably phrasing that poorly, but I understand, you know, like farmers have been in, you know, politically influential through the years, if I'm not misremembering my history. And, you know, farmers often lead themselves to co-ops a lot of times, but I'm just wondering, like Vermont, the vibe of Vermont is perfect for employee ownership, if you know what I mean. Like, how does it fit in with Minnesota and the values of Minnesotans? I think that in my opinion, Minnesota has always been an entrepreneurial state. So there's a lot of businesses that just were grassroots. You know, they started in someone's garage and they built them up over the years. And so when it comes time to leave their business, they go, oh my gosh, this is my lifeblood. This is what I created and my employees helped me grow this. And then they do worry about their communities. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want, you know, I'll take windings. Windings didn't want to be moved from New Ulm, small Southern town. So I think it's more of seeing what's best for the state and keep the economy strong in the state of Minnesota. And I think that drives a lot of people. You know, if you're talking about cooperatives, you know, there are different types of cooperatives. There's the, you know, the farm cooperative, the community cooperative, and then there's the worker-owned 
cooperative where the employees are making their money while they work at the company. They benefit if the company does well. So, you know, it's again, a win-win, you know, an owner can sell fair market value as much as they want and to that ESOP or worker cooperative, and then they can reward their employees by creating, again, I'll go back to creating a financial future for them. I love that, Sue. And I want to pay you a compliment and maybe we can talk about your 30 years in EO for a couple minutes if you'd like. But you have such a grasp of kind of in the weeds of employee ownership, where you're talking about you are able to comfortably talk about things like fair market value and things that go into the different aspects before handing them over to the professionals, you know, at the right time. But I imagine that's very helpful, just your perspective of knowing so much about employee ownership and your 30 years in it. That's got to be just a huge benefit to you and to the Minnesota Center. I think so. I guess, you know, people could call it passion. I just have always felt passionate about it and it's sincere. And I think that has helped. I mean, it's, you know, I have enthusiasm for it. I believe it's good for America. I believe it's good for Minnesota. I think the future of workers is important, you know, that people can take care of themselves and have a good retirement. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I can't tell you why. I just know that I've always embraced it. And again, I think it goes back to the people who are working in employee ownership and the companies that embrace employee ownership. They're wonderful people. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm fortunate that so many of them like yourself, but also professionals will come on and talk employee ownership with me, you know, that we are in a great phase of growth for employee ownership. The other thing that I think is really important, and if people listen to all the episodes, they've heard this before at the other state centers, but There's data that you're well aware of that is hard data now, that during the pandemic with shutdowns and whatnot, employee-owned companies were four to five times less likely to lay off employees than their non-employee-owned counterparts. And they were, I think, three to four times less likely to have even wage reductions during COVID than their non-employee-owned companies. And what I've extrapolated and others seem to agree, the employee owners weren't the ones necessarily taking advantage of the food banks and all of the critical safety nets during COVID that were so, so important. But with the job stability of employee-owned companies, relatively speaking, that benefits the communities. So we've talked about it, it, it saves the job and you mentioned windings not wanting to relocate, but there are so many different things just on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis that strengthens the communities or allows community resources and state resources to go you know, to people who need it, whereas employee owners may not. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that's true. I think the same thing occurred when during the recession in 2008, employee-owned companies did better than non-employee-owned. Because I think Workers tend to pull together more. They're willing to make sacrifices because they know it's in the best interest of their long-term, you know, stability. And the other thing I've noticed about employee-owned companies is that they give so much more back to the community. They're always holding events, you know, or doing, you know, some kind of fundraiser or donations or volunteerism. And I think that's a unique thing for employee-owned companies that they really are all in it together. And it's it's a nice thing to see. I absolutely love that. Would you like to talk some about the chapters that you've run? Would you like to, you've spent 30 years, do you want to talk about some stuff that's been interesting or changes? Is it okay to spend a couple minutes there? Sure. I think that going back to the 
you know, the chapters, Minnesota, Dakotas, I was the first chapter administrator hired in the country. And so it really became the model for the rest of the states. Minnesota had chapter officers that went, you know, like, hey, you know, okay, we're, they were all CEOs at that time. I mean, that's changed over the years, too, as far as who the officers are. But they were all CEOs of companies. And, you know, they were, you know, comfortable leading companies and all that. But when it got down into the, you know, the nitty gritty of things, they said, "Mm, that's probably not us. So they hired me and I started, you know, putting the chapter together and starting to get the events going and doing, you know, doing all the logistics and the grunt work, I guess you could call it. But that was what made us a strong chapter, really. And then the, as the states chapters grew, then that became a model that it goes, hey, this really does work. And this does make sense. And I must say, you know, Michael Keeling at the time when I was hired was the president of the ESOP Association, and very much embraced that of strengthening the chapters and, you know, empowering them to do good work where they were. And I think that's why it's been successful. The chapter movement was successful. I'm glad that you mentioned Michael. He is one of those people that if we ever have an employee-owned Hall of Fame, uh, he will be, you know, consensus first-time ballot, you know, first time he will be in the initial class with Corey Rosen that you mentioned and a couple of other people. And I am a little bit of in awe of people like Michael and Corey, and there are a couple of others because, you know, my my whole thing now, and it's been since I sold the trustee business in 2019 to my partner, is just talking and promoting employee ownership. And if I've got a little bit of success in helping grow the movement, I'm probably not going to create as much employee ownership as those folks did. And you and your role as the chapter advisor and just so many things where we are now, you know, it's folks like Michael that that really get the credit for helping to lay the groundwork on some very important stuff. What year did the Minnesota chapter start? Oh, gosh. Let's see. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that in probably 89 1989, I would say. Wow. It's kind of funny that you started that chapter and that then became the model for other chapters. And I know that you were the administrator for several of those as well. But it's not unlike, you know, Corey Rosen and some folks got together and boy, anytime you talk EO, Corey's fingerprints seem to be on it. And if I can do a little bit of housekeeping, this episode will air early in season six, but we're kicking off the episode with Corey Rosen. So although in podcast listening time, it will have been aired a couple of weeks before yours, I'm actually going to record my first episode with Corey in a couple of days as you and I are recording this soon. I just couldn't be more excited because it seems that, that Corey is just involved in so much and so much collaboration, including, you know, the Ohio State Center and the Vermont State Centers had existed and did a great job. Corey and some other folks got together and from there came the Pennsylvania State Center, which has been the model for EOX and Mm -hmm. and just all the work that you guys are doing. And it's just incredible to see the growth of EOX. So the chapters, if I'm saying it right, has the same kind of growth arc. Yeah, the state centers. Yeah, definitely is, you know, the growth. And I think that helps us a lot when we're talking to people too, is that, you know, it's just not the Minnesota center. There's a whole network of state centers. There's a movement. And just by the growth that Steve has been able to accomplish in EOX shows that there's a need 
for those boots on the ground, being the people who educate. And I think that will just continue to grow. I feel the momentum. It's exciting. And I think the timing is perfect. It certainly seems to uh, be that way. So, Sue, as we begin to wind down, why don't you tell us a little bit about, can people volunteer with the organization? Is there membership? Can you just talk a little bit about the structure and how people can support your chapter? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. MNCEO is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we are that because we want to be unbiased in what we share about the options of employee ownership so that we can build a trust factor with the people in the state of Minnesota. And then people will ask me, if that's the case, then how are you funded? A lot of the professionals in the state that we work with that are the experts in employee ownership have funded us. We've had individuals, we've had ESOP companies, and then we have grants. We have a McKnight grant, we have an Otto Bremer Trust grant. So again, we're building that awareness and they're seeing the value of the work that we're doing. So that's very exciting. But as we reach into this third year and we are growing, that means, yes, we need more if we want to continue to do the great things that we are doing. So we are always looking for people who believe in the movement and want to help us grow and support us. And they can find that information on our website, mnceo.org, or talk to me. Happy to work with anyone who wants to get involved with the work of a MNCEO. And so we'll include, if it's okay, your email address in our show notes as well, but I imagine it's on your website also. One of the things that I like to do is make a pitch where people can, if there's any kind of connection to Minnesota, or if they just want to see growth in Minnesota, a couple of bucks can go a long way. So as you're working on grants and bigger ticket funding issues, you know, if someone just wants to support employee ownership, $50, $100 donation, less or more certainly encourages your work. And I think it's a good sign for all of us to where we can financially assist any of the organizations who are taking off. Because again, this is just a really cool period to be in employee ownership. Yes. No, that's fine. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. All right. So we are going to wrap up. Folks, Keep an eye on Sue Crockett and the Minnesota Center for Employee Ownership. They have all kinds of great and exciting programming on social media. They're pretty active, so you can follow them. But Sue, people can check it out. Again, your website is mnceo.org. And thank you so much for spending time with me on the podcast. It was really great to reconnect with you. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate the time. With that, we'll bring today's episode to a close. My thanks again to Sue Crockett and the Minnesota Center for Employee Ownership. Please check out our website, www.esoppodcast.com, for all of our archives, including a whole lot of episodes regarding the state centers. Thank you so much for listening. This is Brett Kiesling. Be well. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at EO Podcast Network and on Twitter at ESOP Podcast. This podcast has been produced by Brett Kiesling for the EO Podcast Network. Original music composed by Max Kiesling. Branding and marketing by Bitsy Plus Design. And I'm Bitsy McCann.